that's what I like the most, you know, like now we ended up in the kitchen having having a guest passing by, saying thank you for the meal because they had a great night. You know, eating, drinking, it's life really that's where that's where I I guess I come from. I had a lot of that in my life before and um, that's really what's kind of addictive in a way. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. The hospitality industry is commonly known as a fairground for misfits, risk takers, those that don't necessarily feel like they fit in, but found a home on the pans, on the floor, connecting with like-minded creatives. What is it about the industry that is so appealing to so many? Francois Poulard is the executive chef of Manly Wharf Bar and The Tropic in Sydney. Francois, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. It's good to have you on the show. You've, um, you grew up in, you're from France. I uh, grew up in France. You're now in Australia making quite an impact on the culinary landscape here. What, what was the lure for you to have a career in hospitality? Um, I don't know. It was a bit, uh, it just happened. Uh, it was a bit random. I was a bit, uh, lost, not really knowing what I wanted to do. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, randomly studied hospitality when I, Started to learn English in England, and uh, and then just it just happened. We just I just went for it. Um, yeah. Take take us back to when you were young, leading up to that sort of point in England. Um, what sort of role did food play in your family in France? Well, I'm from a, a family of, of foodies. Really, not my parents always been uh, cooking, and 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 my grandparents were on one side. They were um selling milk and and all type of dairies uh, or dairy and um and on the other side they were butcher and having a farm so i grew up in all that it's very it's very cliche for a french guy to say that but um my parents weren't in the in in food or hospitality at all but you know i mean i, I guess everyone is in france is a little bit uh, part of that industry somehow do you have any stories of, um, you know, life on the farm or um, being involved with cheesemakers and things like that? Oh, uh, it was more, yeah, it was more the cheese. They weren't, they weren't cheesemakers, but they were selling cheese. They were collecting the milk. So, yeah, I was doing the tours with my, my, my granddad. I was on the market with them every Sunday. Um, on the other side, I was probably too young to remember any of that. They passed away quite early, but I remember uh, my mom talking a lot about it um i think yeah growing up like that it's quite um normal i'd say i come from you know a very um rural um i come from the countryside you know so all my friends had something um to do with all those all those this industry really tell us a bit about the food of the region that you grew up in are there any feasts that you can recall that you had when uh, you were with your family yeah, plenty. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, Christmas, birthdays, you know, you, you're ending one meal um, and you're not even finished this with dessert that you're already planning for the next one, you know. So, yeah, I do have I do have plenty of that. Um, I come from a, an area where one of the very rare area where there is no wine I come from Brittany. So from the northwest of France, where, you know, it's all about fish and, and cider and, and English weather. 
basically. Um, and there is no wine there, but um, my dad is very much about about wine. So uh, we had a bit of a, a passion in the family for, for wine as well. Um, yeah, that's, I don't know where to start. We have so many, so many memories, you know. I think it was just a, uh, a full-time job. It was a, more than a hobby. It was a, it was a sport, especially for my dad, actually. Yeah, it still is. It still is, actually. He was with us for, for a month. He just, he just uh, went back to France and he was, yeah, it was, I need, I need a little recover from that, <laughs> a little diet. You mentioned you went to the UK to learn English and study, but tell us about your first step into the industry. How did it happen? <laughs> so, um, well, I I just finished high school and I didn't know what to study. I was planning to go to uni or, I, to be honest, I was partying a lot and I just didn't know what to do. So I was like, well, while I'm not sure, let's just uh, travel and go to England um at least to learn english to do something and to make my parents kind of a little bit happy they weren't very happy with me at the time to be honest um so i arrived there with my 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 big ego and i decided to um to lie on my resume and to to say that can't be that hard to be a chef you know so i'm french i can cook they 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 don't have any food in england and uh yeah obviously i got busted within 20 minutes um, but the guy's been very, very nice and say, Hey, look, you're obviously lying. You can't cook an egg, but if you want, you can do a kitchen in with us. And, um, and he made me, he made me pay the, <laughs> the, the, the full price, but it was a great experience. And then, uh, yeah, like, uh, six months later, something like that. I just came back and started uni and, and still in the, in like trying to make my parents happy. But I just realized I, I I really liked working in a restaurant, even if it was just to you know scrub dishes, and it's it was fine. I wanted more of that, so so yeah, I told my parents that I don't want it to go to uni anymore. I don't want it to do long. Yeah, I just wanted to work and 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 be a chef. And my dad told me, well, look, if you want to do it, um, do it right. So start from the. Uh, like just do good restaurants and uh so yeah that's why he sent me to paris and i started the very late apprenticeship um but yeah it was just i wasn't aiming to like you know a lot of chefs it's like okay i grew up in a in a foodie family and i always knew that i want to be a chef and i always cooked with my grandma and all that for me it wasn't like that at all i was i was just super lost and um and hospitality kind of kind of brought me back to to normality, you know, like normal values, which is, you know, hard work and, and all that type of things. So, yeah, it was it was lucky, I think. Take us into those kitchens in Paris in those first couple of years of your apprenticeship. What did you what did you take out of that time? Um, I think discipline. Um, yeah, most. Mo- yeah, it was mostly discipline in the beginning. It wasn't really cooking. You know, you you you're allowed you're allowed in a Michelin star restaurant to peel carrots. That's a, that's a privilege, you know, <laughs> you're allowed to do it for 14 hours. It's great. And, um, but I don't know for whatever reason, I kind of, I, I liked it. So yeah, I think it was mostly discipline. It was like, like I said, I was partying and I was pretty wild. Um, when I was like 18 or something like that. And it just brought me back. I just, you know, to, you know, 
get up on time, um, be polite, and yeah, work hard. Don't talk too much. Some kitchen you were not allowed to talk at all during service. It was pretty fun. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I think the cooking, the real passion for cooking came came after came when I went to Belgium. But um, the apprenticeship, you know, it was it was mostly yeah, like you know, put a suit to go to school and all that. You know, do things I haven't done much like before, really. You worked in Michelin star restaurants in the UK and Switzerland and Belgium. Tell us about sort of the main influences. Do you have any stories of the those restaurants that you worked in? Yeah, I think the two the two main restaurants were both in Brussels. Um, that's where I met my my partner as well. It was like some great years. Um, the first one was uh, called the Comme Chez Soi. It had like three Michelin star for. 20, 27 years, I think. And um, I was ju- there just, I arrived there just after they lost the third one, after 27 years. And it was really like, like you know, like something really horrendous happened. Like someone died. It was crazy. People were in tears. So I arrived in that kind of, in 2006, I believe. Uh, it was a weird <laughs> environment, really. <laughs> it was really weird. Um, and this is, this was a very old fashioned, very old school, uh, three mission style where, like I said, you know, you're lining up at the front door, uh, you wait for the chef to open. If you are a tiny bit late and you arrive after the chef opens, you man of the week, which means you cook staff meal while the other people are eating. You have one tea towel a day, one apron a day, not allowed to talk all the things that I hate now, to be honest with you, I really despise that so much now. But look, that was an experience. And then I moved, so I did just under two years over there. And then I moved to another two mission star, which was called the Chalet de la Forêt, which was the opposite, which was do whatever you want, just be ready, be prepared. And you prep, yeah, you prep for the whole day. You think you have a game plan and like at six o'clock the chef arrives with you know two boxes of chanterelles and say hey let's clean that let's sell that today that's all we're going to sell and then all your prep is useless because because they're fresh and it's the first one of the season and, and he's super stoked you know it was still like super hard because you're like well you know but two opposite school in the same city um i think that's where i learned the most of what i wanted what i wanted to the, not what, not only what I wanted to cook, but also the way I wanted to to cook and 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 what kind of team I wanted to part of. For me, the second one was definitely a lot more my jam, really. What lured you to Australia? Um, my sister is married to a manly boy, uh, so that uh, my I've met my partner in Belgium. I travelled, and after Belgium, I became. A uh, bit of a private chat on a boat um, in the south of France. And then, yeah, she wanted to learn English. Um, and I was like, look, it seems to be pretty easy for us. We, even for visa reason and everything, it was kind of a no-brainer, you know, like being close to being close to them. And, um, yeah, that was, that was just the uh, same again. Like in Belgium, the first the first the first Michelin restaurant that I applied, I just look at the list on the mission 
how many Michelin stars. It was 12, I think, 12 restaurants at the time when I arrived there in Brussels. And I started to do a tour. Which one is the closest from the house? I'm going to apply. I want a Michelin star. I want fine dining. But, you know, that. Was, and when I arrived in Sydney uh, with Chloe, she she took just whatever job. She's a graphic designer. Um, and she just wanted to learn. And we were here just for a year. And I did the same. And the first one near Manly was Pilu. And I applied there. And then I took the ferry. And the second one was Aria. And then, and then I spent five years at Aria. <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes, you know, you don't have to overthink things. <laughs> so... Yeah. What did you think of the Australian sort of restaurant um, landscape compared to what you'd been used to in France and Belgium? Um, well, look, first I learned a lot when I arrived in England, not to be too cocky and arrogant. So I was like, look, you thought that English couldn't cook an egg and then, you know, you paid a hard price. So just learn about what's going on in Australia. And uh, I, of course, I spoke to my peers and to a lot of people who travel to Australia. I had some mates who were working at Key. Um, and, um, I knew that it was a lot of great things going on here. Um, yeah, I really was all about fine dining. So all, when I, before I arrived in Australia, I was just like, just documenting myself about fine dining only, which is, I'm the opposite now. It's, uh, yeah, I'm very different now, but, uh, yeah, I looked at whatever restaurant were here, what chefs were popular, here um and um yeah this was one of the reasons i think if the food like the dining scene wasn't that good here i we probably would have chosen to go somewhere else to go to i don't know to to america or i don't know where so yeah that was also one of the reasons why we chose to come here you spent a lot of time working uh, at aria under matt moran do you have any stories of of what that experience was like for you? Uh, for me, that's really what really changed my uh, my 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 vision of food. Um, ben Ben Turner, yeah, Aria was probably the strongest team um, that I've been working with. Um, it was so many so many people working there at the time when I first arrived. I was just a chef de party the first year. But it was like now it was uh, Jason Stout, who is exec chef in uh, Stoke House in Melbourne, uh, with Ashley Smith, who was there as well. Ben Turner was the head chef for 14 years. He's probably one of the best chefs I've met and definitely became over the years uh, my, my main mentor. Um, I don't know, other people, Tom Ains, who is now in Perth, who was head chef at, uh, executive chef at Stoke House, at Chiswick as well. Um, before me we had like such a strong team I'm so many people um it was a bit old school a bit too much uh, testosterone in this kitchen as well to my taste wasn't enough girls and it was a lot of competition you know how long it takes you to do 40 kilos of calamari bang oh I took two hours yesterday how long are you gonna take it was a lot of that constantly and long days but great days big volumes very long service because you know being at RS pre-theater so before the show so service was standing at five i think on saturday and then post theater so the last tables were sent at 11 so it was you know like a eight hour service basically uh, there's not many restaurants doing that um without without a break and, and we wanted more and 
No, it was it was amazing. It was great years. I don't think uh, I would cook that type of food again, but uh, I learned so much, and uh, yeah, it was great. It was yeah, it was amazing. It was underneath uh, Matt Moran that you got the opportunity to take on your first head chef role. Uh, tell us about uh, what impact that had on you and and finding your own voice on the plate. Um, well, I think. Like Matt, uh, he tested me. They tested me a little bit at North Bondi Fish, um, and I just so like it was kind of. I was for the first time. I was looking more at the, at the growth, like at uh, what can I become, because I've been doing that for a little while now. And what can I like? Just more looking at the title in the first place, which wasn't the right focus, to be honest, from me, and that's why they didn't probably gave it to me like right away, which was clever, I believe. Um, so they, yeah, they, they tried that. And I saw, yeah, like completely different atmosphere, but in a very popular and successful restaurant. So yeah, Northern Fish was pumping. And then when Tom went to, Tom Haines went to uh, Barangaroo House, I was kind of the next in line. And I was like, well, just give it to me now. But I wasn't really thinking about, I wasn't really thinking about the food itself or the venue or the story that we're going to tell. Or, you know, I mean, I was just like, now I, I want, you know, I want to take, I want to be in charge, which was silly. Um, and then, yeah, the first few months were quite challenging. And I had, again, the great support from, from Ben Turner and from Matt, who, who kind of made me understand, like, what was Chizik, uh, um, you know, I mean, not cooking food that pleases a chef's ego, but actually food that is comfort food that people want to eat, that people want to come back to. That you know, what I mean, sometimes you're going to the restaurant, you don't really want to be overwhelmed by food. You just want to have a good time with your with your friends and and family. You know, they made they really made me understand that. You know, because I didn't, I wasn't coming from that kind of um, uh, restaurants before. And then once I think I understood, I picked that up. Then I really could, I built a team that I was very, very, very proud of. Um, uh, but it took time and, and they've been supportive. They knew that I was loyal. Um, like, I mean, I've been working for Matt for eight years. Um, and so that's why it always been supportive. We had some, like, you know, I mean, some, some hard times, but overall, um, I think that was a path that was kind of needed uh, this North Monday Fish little year that was really needed for me. Uh, I couldn't see it at the time. I was almost upset. I was like, well, why? I'm just working so hard, putting all those hours for so many years. Why? And then and then I got it. But but uh, maybe a year after I started at Chizik, yeah. I was like, yeah, they were so right. Yeah. Well, that's why they, where they are now. <laughs> that's why they're successful because they can see all that. Tell us about your time at Chiswick as head chef and, and dish creation. Was there um, sort of contributions from Matt or did you come up with ideas? How, how, did, it, how did it work when you were head chef? Um, in the beginning, uh, you had a lot of um, – Ben Ben was a Solotel's uh, executive chef after being at Aria. So I had his guidance and his, like, you know, was always um, kind of um, just being uh, – being, uh, just being nice and being really supportive. Um, Matt was, uh, 
you know, he's looking after a lot of restaurants and he just comes in and, and, and he's a straight shooter, you know, uh, that's what I like about him. He was just like, okay, one dish after the other, we're having a tasting. We, we're just smashing all those dishes one after the other. He tries them, doesn't give it feedback straight away. And then, and then we debrief. And then when it's good, he's going to tell you it's, that's really, that's an awesome dish. And when it's shit, he's going to tell you as well when he thinks it's shit. He, he really, he's a straight, but that's what I like. You need that, you know? And uh, it was also challenging, like uh, really challenging me. Like sometimes like, oh man, you know, what do you think of that? What do you think of this? So um, yeah, the years actually, after the first year, you know, that was the beginning. After the first year, they were really like trusting me, really, really happy with what I was doing over there. And they knew that I was like really, I was in love with the venue. Like Chizik is one of my favorite restaurants. It's such a beautiful venue. I love everything about this venue. Like, uh, so I think I just kind of really fitted the fitted the restaurant after a while. But once again, I I I, I admit that I needed their guidance in the beginning for sure. At Chiswick, what did you learn about running a team? Uh, I think the about running a team. The I I learned more at Aria. I think I always had that, you know, like, um, I don't know. I'd like to think that I, uh, that, that the team at Chizik always liked me and he was kind of, you know, the sous chef to be sometimes the bad cop. Uh, but I've done that bad cop job for many years at Aria, you know, uh, I was doing it happily. <laughs> no problems. Like, Hey, just Frankie, just go there. Like, look at this prep. What the fuck is that? Um, um, so yeah, it wasn't really at Chizik that I learned how to lead a team because I always, uh, I always kind of, uh, uh, had great leaders above me and I, I, I always wanted to, to, to be part of that kind of managing leading team, trying to inspire people. So I always, the team always had my back at Chizik. Um, I left, I think that's one of the, the thing I'm, I'm the most, proud of when I left Chizik is just like I think I left a very strong team um, they were really so nice um, they organized an unbelievable unbelievable uh, farewell they were all very skilled they had a massive growth um, um, yeah that's yeah that's one of my I think that's one of my strengths more than more than uh, than uh, than cooking itself really it's more like you know I think in this industry, and I think with COVID, we, we realize this even more. This industry is all about the people from suppliers to, to coworkers to, to the guests, of course. So I always had that. Um, not like it sounds very, how can I say? I always um, understood the fact, like how important it is. And I always worked on that. So even if I, wasn't in charge at Aria or, uh, or at Northmont Fish and all that. I was really, really like learning and and understanding that getting that it's it's crucial in this industry. So when I arrived at Chizik, I just had to had to get it done. Really, that was that. Was that. Given uh, the team that you built at, at Chizik and the level that you got it to as head chef, was it was it difficult for you to leave to take on the next role? Um, yes and no. 
it was very hard to leave the team. It was very hard to leave the venue um, because, you know, I was I was just really loving it. Uh, it was Laura Barato who is working for Matt as well. We had an amazing relationship. Um, I almost forgot to mention her from the Aria team. That would be good because <laughs> she was also from Aria. So we all like that group of people anyway. Um, so, yeah, all that was really hard. You know, it was a... Uh, yeah, it wasn't easy, but I also felt that the the whole group, like the Solotel kind of, you know, it's it's a bit, it's corporate. And I, I felt like I, I learned so much from them. So I'm very grateful, but it was also time for me to do my own thing. Um, so I was looking to, to actually start my own business, like oh, I, not really actively looking, but thinking about it. And then the opportunity in mainly uh, came up and that's something I couldn't say no to um, everything. It was just the perfect timing. Um, I've been living in Manly the whole time. And uh, my family is here on the side of the bridge. Um, and uh, my girlfriend uh, was just pregnant when that happened. So it was just like, oh, yeah, it was just like, okay, well, closer from home, uh, new challenge in a smaller environment, like where now they just, you know, I, I changed them when I do like I'm really, I think more free, um, uh, in a way. Like, um, and yeah, it's my own mistakes. Um, I needed that approach. I think the whole group vision, like you know, what I mean, this whole yeah corporate thing was. Uh, I was just done with it. I I I learned a lot um, from the business perspective, but it was also for me time to to move on. I think, yeah. Well, tell us a bit about Manly Wharf Bar. Um, you're also uh, looking after the Tropic as well, a sort of seafood-focused Mediterranean restaurant. Tell us a bit about the offerings and what you're creating at those venues. Um, so the Wharf Bar is uh, owned by Ben May, and he's a proper hospo foodie person. Uh, and he's also another straight shooter who knows what he wants. So when we start when we first um, spoke, he was just like, okay, we want something Mediterranean, something easy, something where basically people look at the menu and they know what they want. They, 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 they read the menu, they know what it is. There's no long names. It's a burrata. It's a wood fire bread. It's, a, it's an anchovy. It's, you know, good ingredients done simply. And his message from the Tropic was like, well, look, people may not come for the food in the first place because he's seen one of the best spot in Sydney like it's stunning but the food might be the reason why they come back you know and that's your challenge and I was like that's music to my ears you know because I love I have so many memories in this place in this venue and um, and that's exactly what I was describing earlier which is you know there's no ego food no chef chef's dishes you know what I mean something that oh you know like a chef would say oh that's cool because there's they recognize the technique or the way or the t- whatever the way it's done. It's more, let's cook some food that people want to eat. People want to, you know, share with their family, with their mates, uh, by the water, you know, that's more like the opposite of fine dining, I guess. Um, and that's really like the challenge that I wanted to, to, yeah, to embrace kind of thing. You mentioned that your parents originally wanted you to go to university and you've built this career in hospitality. What do they think about what you've achieved? Uh, 
Well, in the in in the beginning, my dad was like, "Why are you doing this? Why do you want to be a chef? What like you're gonna work every weekend, every holidays? Like, just gonna be, yeah. Why why would you?" And um, when they see where I'm at now, I think they're happy. Like my dad was here, yeah, for a month for the birth of my first child. He sees that quite like we're okay here. We're having a great life. Um, I'm in charge of pretty big venue well food wise um i don't know i'd like to think they're proud but yeah not my <laughs> not, not, um i made them I, I made them suffer for many years you know i was i wasn't very nice you probably understood that <laughs> so um look if they're happy and proud of me and say like well look it wasn't all bad and he made his own choices but at the end you know yeah I like to think they they're okay with that. They're happy. What do you love about what you do? Uh, honestly, it's still the team. Um, I just like. That's why I'm not done. I don't want to go in in another industry. You know, I still I'm still I'm not bored of like a a long service and a big sweaty high five scrubbing the stove at the end. I'm not. You know, I'm still I still love it. I still like that. It might not be forever. But um, that's what I like the most, you know, like now we're in an open kitchen, having having a guest passing by a bit tipsy and saying thank you for the meal because they had a great night, you know, eating, drinking, you know, that's, that's life. Really. That's where, that's where I, I guess I come from. I had a lot of that in my life before. And um, yeah, that's just, uh, that's really what's kind of addictive in a way. Um yeah, I think the, just the people, you know, in an, in an industry where you can really see instantly um, how people feel. Um, that's that's quite unique, I guess, you know. Well, I don't know. At least uh, it's intense as well. You have you have the adrenaline. You have you have all those kind of feelings that makes you yeah, really yeah. The, the last couple of years have been quite turbulent for just about everyone on the planet, but you've um, started a new career and just started a young family as well. Um, what, what's the period of time been like for you and the positives to come from it? Uh, to be honest, I've been, I've been one of the lucky ones. You know, a lot of people really struggled. I'm, I'm really thankful. Um, at Chizik, uh, we had a tiny bit of time where, We've been stood down and all that, and uh, Matt brought us back quite quickly, and we started to take away. We've been very, very, we've been nailing it. My partner always had a job. She worked from home. In the first place, um, yeah, I had some family who got stuck here. They were visiting from overseas, so we got some time to spend a bit more time together. And then, then we reopen, and then uh, Chizik being kind of an institution, you know, like we got busy again quite quickly. We weren't in the city, you know. Some of my mates they were head chef in the city. The city was dead, or in, you know, for us it wasn't the case. And then I had this opportunity uh, at uh, at the wharf. Um, to be honest, for the last two years, uh, when I see how, how bad it's been for a lot of people, I really cannot complain. Um, I've been, yeah, I've been definitely part of the lucky ones for sure. What's next for you? You've got these two amazing venues that you're looking after. How, how does the rest of the year look for you? 
well, the Tropic is kind of, you know, uh, it's half of the, it used to be the, the World Bar. It's half of the old Manuel Hotel. So I think the focus is to, to get this venue really killing it. Uh, I think we got everything to do so. Uh, we had a very challenging start, like everyone else, you know, with, you know, staffing and all that. And then I think we really, I really think we're in the right track. So we're all aiming to, to like October, September, October, um, and next summer to, to be really, really successful. You know, that, you know, mainly in winter is, is a bit quiet. Um, but yeah, like we are growing, can see changes, a lot of good changes and, and new faces in the business. Um, I'm really, really optimistic. I'm not too worried about, about uh, that. It's just about, you know, having fun, like I said, just uh, keeping doing what we're doing and, um, and yeah, take, take feedbacks, learn from them, good or bad. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that's, that's it. Honestly, I'm very, very, um, I've been spoiled with this venue, like, uh, like um, Ben made, trusted me from the very first day which is not every boss is like that uh, but I think he just kind of gave me the kiss that oh, okay make that win make that a winner you know and I was like yeah sure okay let's do it <laughs> um, and yeah it's such like such a beautiful just a beautiful venue we got everything we got the people we got the venue and that's the two main thing we just got to do it now so just work hard and, and have a few of those services that I was describing earlier and we'll be all right. Well, uh, Francois, it's uh, amazing to catch up with you and, and hear of your success. Um, please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Great. All right. Thanks. Thanks a lot. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.